You're listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast, ASCP's journal come to life. Visit ASCP.com slash journal to read the articles and ASCP.com slash podcasts to listen to more author interviews. Welcome to the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast. This is Donna Bartlett, your host. Today we have with us Dr. Regina Ginsberg. Welcome, Dr. Ginsberg. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Hello, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. So Dr. Ginsberg is an associate clinical professor from St. John's University College of Pharmacy. And today we're going to be discussing Dr. Ginsberg's geriatric pharmacotherapy case series, addressing medication issues and therapeutic inertia. This case is available in the May 2022 edition of the Senior Care Pharmacist. So I'm just so excited to have you here with us. And I think this is such an important topic in thinking about therapeutic inertia. And I just can't wait to hear more about this and your whole study and your findings. But first, could you please tell us about yourself and your co-author and just the concept of this case study? Sure, absolutely. So within St. John's University College of Pharmacy, I do teach didactic courses on campus for our pharmacy curriculum. And then I have a clinical site where student pharmacists come there for their advanced pharmacy practice rotation and ambulatory care. The clinical site is in a family medicine clinic that's located in the lower Manhattan area, and it houses a family medicine residency program as well, where I train the residents in pharmacotherapy. I'm also a certified diabetes care and education specialist, as well as board certified in advanced diabetes management and help manage our large population of patients with diabetes. My co-author, Dr. Olga Hillis, is a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist and board-certified geriatric pharmacist, as well as a fellow of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. In conjunction with her academic appointment at St. John's University, she previously served as the clinical pharmacy manager of internal medicine and geriatrics at New York Presbyterian Hospital for over 10 years. There, she was actively involved in the medication management of older adults. Dr. Hillis worked to identify and address health-related and medication-related issues, including those that are exposed to clinical and therapeutic inertia. Now, this case was based on a recent clinical experience, which identifies the importance of resolving medication issues and therapeutic inertia in an older adult with multiple comorbidities. This particular patient was experiencing increased dizziness, which he questioned if it could be due to one of his long list of medications. He also had financial limitations and was frustrated with the immense amount of copays. I had worked diligently with his primary care provider to see which of his medications could be attributing to his dizziness and noticed a number of concerns with his pharmacotherapy regimen. We wanted to share this experience so that pharmacists would be aware and ready to apply these clinical considerations towards the care of their older patients. So, and that's great. It's so important, right? With our older adults and having to really help them with their medications. But I love this idea of this therapeutic inertia that you're talking about. And could you just provide some background on therapeutic inertia and share with us the case study itself and just share a little bit more about this particular case? Sure. So therapeutic inertia is referred to the failure to advance or de-intensify therapy when it's appropriate to do so. Now, this is challenging in older persons as they tend to have more chronic illnesses, which often require more medications in their management. 
But due to time constraints of a medical office visit with their primary care provider, chronic medications are sometimes not reevaluated to see if they are no longer necessary. And then other times, medical providers may not be familiar or comfortable with adjusting doses or discontinuing medications in older persons. But the risk of adverse events is increased because these older persons have reduced drug clearance and metabolic changes within the body. So this was the situation in our case, which likely caused this dizziness and could have led to cognitive impairment or a potential for a significant fall. So after a thorough evaluation of his drug regimen, we recommended nine changes to his treatment. That's amazing. And that's what we see, right? We see that meds are added, but not necessarily stopped or changed or reduced. So I do think that it's such an important part of caring for our older adults. And I just love the backgrounds that you and your co-author bring in regards to really sharing some specialties and probably really being able to be keen in helping this patient. So so as you talk about this and you're saying nine changes, that seems like a lot. <laughs> and so <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. Like, were there barriers that came across while you're trying to do this? Was it, I'm thinking this is a deep prescribing quest that you're on to help this patient. So I'd love to hear the, you know, how, how things went for you in regards to, especially barriers that you might've had to overcome. Sure. So one particular barrier that we came across was the primary care provider's hesitation towards making so many changes in the person's medication regimen at once. They wanted to make the changes in increments instead. So I had to gently point out the reasonings for each of these recommended changes and provide evidence as to why it would be more harmful to wait than to really start adjusting the doses or, or discontinuing, in some cases, some medications. So after providing the evidence and showing that it was in the patient's best interest, the patient agreed. Sometimes you can come across another barrier with the patient where they sometimes are so bound to their regimen that they don't want to let go, especially if they've been taking a medication for so long. But that was not the case in our patient. He actually wanted to get rid of as many medications as possible. So it wouldn't be his financial <laughs> restraint. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we do find that too, that if patients say they want the change, people, meaning the healthcare providers that are helping them, might have a little bit of an easier time trying to reduce medicines too. So when it's the patient's idea, it can be very helpful in that regard, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about, you know, the primary care, that there was a barrier and that you had to provide reasonings for each one. I'm just curious, was this just kind of like a full conversation that you had or was this over a number of conversations that you had to have with the primary care provider? I am lucky enough that I, I've worked in my clinical site for quite a number of years. So I didn't have to have numerous conversations. I, I sent them my recommendations through our internal email system and then followed up with a conversation. And so after having this conversation and, and basically explaining to them the reasonings behind why each of those medication changes needed to be made, it was pretty much a done deal. That's great. So now let's talk about these results and these findings and all of these changes. We're keeping our folks in suspense, probably. <laughs> so what were your findings? 
of this case? And were there any surprises along the way as well? Yeah. So after making those pharmacotherapy changes, our our patient did come back to his next visit. He was relaxed and satisfied. Uh, He no longer experienced dizziness. His vitals improved. Whereas before they were a little bit more concerning with having low blood pressures and, and low heart rate. So they kind of improved and didn't go too high or out of control. So that was a, a great thing. It actually all went into a positive direction. That's wonderful. So can we talk about just some of the medicines that you ended up reducing and some of the changes that you had made? Is there any particular ones that make you want to talk about these things or should we talk about various ones? (laughs) You tell me what you'd like to do. Sure. I was being vague so that people can actually read the case study. (laughs) (laughs) Give us us a couple. (laughs) Of course. Uh, So this is a person who basically was on a slew of medications for his blood pressure, for his diabetes, for his asthma, and also a previous history of of seizures. With regards specifically to those seizures, he actually hasn't, he hasn't experienced one in a very long time. And the, the dose that he was on was actually a relatively low dose, uh, which didn't necessarily show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great levels in, with carbamazepine. I apologize. It was, that was the name of the medication. So his carbamazepine levels were relatively on the low side and it didn't seem that it was really uh, helpful for him just contributing to pill burden. And at the same time, we know that carbamazepine is also associated with significant number of adverse effects. Uh, so if the benefit outweighs those uh, the risks of those adverse effects, it's worthwhile to use carbamazepine. But in his case, not having had a seizure in so long, it would make sense to have a trial of removing the medication and, and basically see how he goes, mm-hmm. especially given those levels are so low. Sure. And I think, you know, depending upon, you know, your pharmacy experience too, I know I've had patients too that have been on seizure medications well beyond the couple years that might be necessary to not have a seizure before you can start to try to reduce medicines. So when we're talking, you know, 20 years and even beyond that, where people are still on a medication, it really is important that we think about, like you're talking about this therapeutic inertia, right? That Mm -hmm. maybe things need to be reduced to reduce the risk of side effects that and potentially dizziness. So can you tell us about his dizziness being resolved? Sure. I I think the dizziness also had a lot to do with his blood pressure Mm -hmm. and looking at looking at his list of medications, he was on metoprolol, which didn't really have a a clinical indication and showing that his blood pressure and his heart rate were were on the lower side. We typically thought that it may be best to remove that medication compared to the rest of his regimen. And we were, I, I was personally quite alarmed to see his heart rate on such a low side without having really a history of of either heart disease or a heart failure where he would really need that, the metropolol. Yeah, that's great. So, and it's so good when, you know, it, we talk about this too, when we're reducing meds or deprescribing or stopping meds, that people do feel better after. 
it's not very common that they feel worse. And if they don't feel great or if it's not the right thing to reduce or stop, you can always add it back on if <laughs> necessary. So I, it's just like, you know, we talk about it being the opposite of prescribing. But when we prescribe, we need to maybe increase a dose too or reduce a dose. So and just get that right dosing in. So I think it's important that even though we're thinking, oh, deprescribing and, you know, reducing medicines, I think it's an important aspect to act versus not act and, and take care of that therapeutic inertia that you're talking about in this particular case. So hats off to you for presenting this case. And I think it's really important for us to think of this, especially in our older adults, how long have they been on these medications for and how are they feeling currently? So I'd like to know what lessons have you learned from the case? And I love, and I always love to think about pharmacy students that might be listening in and also pharmacists that are already practicing. What are some things that you've learned or that you think might be helpful in helping other pharmacists and student pharmacists in this process? You know, I think that it's important to listen to the patients. It's not so much that I just learned the lesson from this particular case. That That's my, my go-to each time. And to really, you know, if they're complaining about their list of medicines, the first thought should always be, well, what medicines do do they really not need and can we remove? And so that is something that I am actually moving forward with, with our, our residents and our attending physicians in terms of get, having them be more aware when they're seeing uh, patients who are on numerous medications, not to just haphazardly or randomly renew all of those prescriptions, but really look to see how can we make that list shorter and just, you know, stick with what is actually needed and not, you know, not just give everything. So that whole falling into the trap, I know some pharmacists, you know, they, they are sometimes a little worried to rock the boat or go into that, well, the patient's been on it, so we really should have them stay on it. That thought process really should be out the window. And that's really what I try to train my student pharmacists who are on rotation and, you know, who are taking uh, the classes uh, when we talk about pharmacotherapy. We need to emphasize that developing a good relationship with the primary care providers is very helpful, providing, showing the evidence behind our reasonings will only further support the need for them to follow our recommendations. Yeah. I really think we're on the same page because (laughs) that's what I'm teaching my students too at my rotation and, and just really thinking about why, why are all these medicines being taken? Are they all being taken and are they all necessary? So, and really, like you're saying, we're all a part of this education in regards to teaching each other and seeing how things, how patients do with reducing medicines. So more to come on that as we've seen medications help people age longer, but we have to take them away or off so that they can continue to be well and and stay ambulatory, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So I always say to my students, we want to keep people upright and in the community and active. So, you know, let's try to continue to do that. And I think it makes them rethink a little bit about the medicines that people are taking in the list of medicines. 
So I can't thank you enough for being with us today. I encourage everybody to read your case study to find out the other changes that were made for this patient. (laughs) Nine changes is considerable. And (laughs) it's really great that you're also able to kind of take a grouping of things and know whether or not it was safe or appropriate to make these changes all at once or to, you know, in being challenged, should you do this over time? And I really like that you made a case that, yes, this can be done because of this reason versus another patient, you're probably saying, oh, we should do this first and then this second. So I'm sure that there's a balance between that depending upon who the patient is. Yes, I agree. So, okay, well, I can't thank you enough. Today we've had with us Dr. Regina Ginsberg, and we just want to thank the listeners who care for older adults, that care for them in their practices, maybe in, even in your personal lives, and those who just are listening to learn more. So thank you so much for being with us today and for what you do. Thank you, Dr. Ginsberg, for being with us. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I, I love being here. <laughs> yeah. And in just, you know, letting everybody know that deep prescribing is a necessary part of, of healthcare and like you're doing, you know, thinking forward with the residents and the attendings too. And let's have these conversations. Let's, let's lessen the number of meds that people are on, especially these long lists. So you can read more about this case, um, the geriatric pharmacotherapy case series, addressing medication issues and therapeutic inertia. The actual case is available in the May 2022 edition of the Senior Care Pharmacist. Thank you all for listening and thank you again. Have a great day. You're listening to the Senior Care Pharmacist podcast, ASCP's journal come to life. Visit ASCP.com slash journal to read the articles and ASCP.com slash podcast to listen to more author interviews.